0: Good morning everyone and welcome. Welcome here to Essex Church. I'm Janine Powell as many of you already know and I'm a member of this congregation and I'll be leading today's service as our minister Sarah is away on a well-deserved break. And I'd like to welcome you whether you're here now or whether you're listening to a podcast in the future. And also a welcome to those who are yet to arrive, as sometimes happens. Also, I'd like to welcome all those who are here for the first time today and who are visiting us. We're all welcome here. And no matter what you're bringing, what baggage, what things on your mind, what joys in your heart or sorrows... Let's start our time of worship here together with these words by John Mills Powell. Leave aside the little thoughts that distract you from the depths of your soul. For this is a holy place. And now is a holy time. Join with the others in this room, this community of seekers, and together, let's find our Sabbath. As we do each week, we're going to light our chalice, and I'm going to ask Tristan to come and light it for us. This chalice, this flame that it holds, also holds the dreams that we as Unitarians do the world over. Dreams in which the work of social justice creates a fairer society and a world in which we live. Where there is equality for all people, regardless of race, gender, sexuality, mobility, or financial ability. And may this chalice flame light the way to do our own part, whether big or small. And may it glow warm in the heart of this spiritual community where we come together in support and encouragement of each other in search for our truths and the things that we hold dear. Spirit of life and love, be with us in this time that we've shared our joys and concerns, our macrocosm of the world in which we live. We know that in our world, our painfully broken world, people suffer and loved ones grieve and violence rages. And in places where the vein of injustice is strong, stand with the oppressed and change the heart of the oppressor. For we know that both are joined in their humanity, no matter how often we forget it. Help us remember the hope that we feel when things go well, not just for us, but for those we know or have only heard about. And help us gain strength through the hope when we need it. May there be a way for us to find joy in the midst of sadness, success in the midst of challenge, and good things in the midst of bad. Help us to be a better people, to work for better things, and to create a better world. Amen.
1: This is a story from the Jewish tradition about resting on God's heart. According to an old Jewish story, once upon a time there was a four-year-old boy named Mordecai who refused to attend school and study Hebrew. Whenever his parents tried to immerse his mind in the Torah or Word of God, he would sneak away and play on the swing set. Every form of persuasion failed. Mordecai remained stubborn and defiant. The exasperated parents even brought him to a famous psychiatrist, but that also proved futile. Nothing changed the boy's heart, which seemed to grow more distant, lonely, and hardened every week. Finally, in utter desperation, Mordecai's parents brought him to the local rabbi, a warm and wise spiritual guide. As the parents explained their plight, pouring out their frustration and despair, the rabbi listened intently. And without saying a word, he gently picked up Mordecai, took him in his arms and held him close to his chest. The rabbi held Mordecai close enough and tight enough so the young boy could feel the safe, rhythmic beating of the rabbi's heart. Then still, without a word, he gently handed the child back to his parents. From that point on, Mordecai listened to his parents, so studied the Torah, and, when it was appropriate, he also slipped away to play on the swing set.
2: In the following reading from her book, In the Simple Morning Light, Barbara Rode explores the Christian biblical Sabbath from a different perspective. These are her words Recently, I reread the story of the first Sabbath, trying to approach it with the freshness of a seven year old mind, as I might have first read about Dr. Doolittle. the Wizard of Oz. In my seven-year-old persona, my first question was this. What did God do on the Sabbath? For those of us growing up in traditional religions, the talk was about what we shouldn't do. We shouldn't play cards. We shouldn't go to the movies. We were told what we should stay away from, not what we should move toward. Both the story and my own experience suggested that on the first Sabbath, along with resting, God was undoubtedly experiencing post-creation euphoria. Anyone who has written a story or painted a picture, baked an elegant chocolate tort, built a house, made a quilt, or had a baby, can identify with God the creator. What has always delighted me is that after the second day and the third day and the fourth day, God looked at what he had done and saw that it was good. But after the sixth day, he looked at all that he had done and saw that it was very good. It was only later that, like all other creators, he began to notice the flaws. The serpent beguiling Eve, Cain killing Abel. Indeed, by the sixth chapter of Genesis, God was repenting that he had ever started the whole thing. Every creator can recognize this moment. But God spent the first Sabbath seeing the creation in all its harmony, blessing it and loving it. He needed to recognize and celebrate its value, which is the original meaning of worship. I often forget that the first act of worship on the earth was God's worship of the creation, not the other way round.
0: So my address is about Sabbath, and um, it's a pleasure to be doing it after I was due to do it before and ended up resting in bed. (laughs) resting, it's a core need, not just for the body, but for the mind and spirit too. And since stumbling across the word Sabbath in a book that I was reading, and being inspired to firstly create a heart and soul service for Fuse, and now this service, what seemed to me at first to be a very one-dimensional concept I've now developed more varied ideas about, which I'm going to share with you for the next 13, 15 minutes or so. And as you listen, I invite you to be open for inspiration if carving out your own Sabbath time is appealing to you and you'll have some questions to go away with and ponder if you wish to. I'm not a biblical expert by any means, but there are a few things from the first few books in the Bible which really stick out for me to do with the subject of rest and Sabbath. Firstly, as highlighted in the reading that we heard from Veronica earlier, the first Sabbath, which was a reflection on the biblical creation story, this first Sabbath was when God had a day of rest when the creation was complete. And this idea of a time of rest continues in Exodus 20 with the receiving of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai in which the children of Israel were instructed to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy, that they should work for six days and rest on the seventh. And next in Leviticus 23 of a monthly Sabbath held on the ninth day of each month, from evening to evening. And lastly, again in Leviticus, Leviticus 25, for the instruction of the land itself to observe a Sabbath every seven years, so to plant and harvest for six years and to let the land rest for the seventh year. Regardless of my own beliefs about the biblical stories, I don't know about you, but I I do think that there's a lot of wisdom in marking out regular time for rest for all things. And Abrahamic religions don't hold the monopoly on prescribed holy rest days. With the Christian Sabbath held on Saturday or Sunday... Jewish Shabbats from Friday sundown to Saturday sunset, and Muslims visiting the mosque together for prayers on Friday. In my exploration in the topic of Sabbath, I came across a couple of other religious and spiritual and secular examples. In Buddhism, Opasata is a holy day of rest and prayer which is observed between two and six times per month, depending on the country and branch of Buddhism. These days are arranged to coincide with the different lunar phases, and at these times Buddhists abstain from various things, including eating in the afternoon, forms of beautification and sexual activities. Instead, they intensify their prayer practice. Wiccans and modern pagans observe eight yearly Shabbats, sorry, sabbats, marking out the wheel of the year, the annual cycle of the earth's seasons. This includes the winter solstice, in which the earth itself rests in the wintertime. On these days there are celebrations, time spent with others feasting and taking part in rituals to acknowledge and honour the divine spirit of nature, or the god and goddess. The Cherokee native people of America hold 13 seasonal ceremonies a year, beginning at sunrise on the first day of each new moon. This day is seen as a time for quiet reflection and prayer, and any form of work is prohibited. Fasting is also encouraged to continue for up to four days when the moon is unseen. These spiritual times of rest, when gatherings amongst Cherokee clans are encouraged, help to strengthen the ties in Cherokee society. And secularly, I remember growing up in a time when all the shops and banks were shut on Sundays meaning many people would automatically have a day without work, including shopping chores. With the Sunday Trading Act in 1994, shops trade on Sundays, however, there are still limits. Large retail outlets over 3,000 square foot are only able to trade for a maximum of six hours between 10am and 6am. So even now, the business day is kept different from the rest of the working week and people have time for other interests. Every year we also have National Unplug Day. It was a project originally created by Reboot for the Jewish community and now it's aimed at everyone and for everyone. For 24 hours people choose to unplug from their use of technology and connect in person to other people and other interests. With our busier and busier lives, a day of rest, whether as a religious observance or not, can be a welcome way to come home to ourselves, to come home to our deepest held values and to reconnect to what is important to each of us. Starting to think about how a regular rest time in our own lives can be beneficial for ourselves. I came across a couple of people's reflection which I'd like to share with you. The first is from Ritual Wells website in an article where people had written about their own contemporary Shabbat practice. And I think that this example in particular really spoke to me as working on social justice issues is a value and principle promoted within the Unitarian tradition. The anonymous author writes, As someone who is committed to social justice, to ending oppression, I often feel that there's too much to do, too little time to fix it all, and that I can't stop yet. And then, Shabbat comes. And with its arrival, 25 hours in which I get to notice how beautiful the world is, how perfect it is. And that there is nothing that I need to do in that moment to change it. I am reminded that it is crucial for me to stop, to rest, to celebrate the beauty of the world, the richness of my relationships with family, friends and God. A time of noticing what is already right and whole and good rather than what isn't and with that deep knowing, that inner quiet I can go back out the rest of the week and fight like hell the second reflection is by American writer Christine Organ and she wrote an article about her own realisation that she wanted to create A modern day Sabbath, a day to slow down and unplug. In parts of her article, she describes her modern Sabbath as delegating a time to focus on what I have instead of searching for something new, a time to disconnect from work and technology in order to reconnect with family and friends and self and a time to quiet the external noise so I can hear my own powerful internal voice. She goes on then to describe her created Sabbath day for her. I do not email, text, surf the web, turn on the computer, work, shop, do chores or watch television. My personal Sabbath day includes rest, Music, church exercise, time outdoors, prayer or meditation, personal writing, time alone, sitting still, reading and focused time with family. By unplugging for one day each week, she says, my Sabbath seeks to balance the utility of technology with a little patience and remind myself that life unfolds on a timetable that is not always within my control. Reconnecting with the sacredly simple allows us to slow time and savour its goodness. So through these examples and others that I came across, It led me to think about Sabbath time in my own life and reflecting back on old practices, some which I don't do anymore. Some years ago, for a long time, I used to regularly take walks out in nature, not on a set day or set amount of times a week or even a set amount of time, just as I felt that I needed It was more the intention that counted than the specifics. I'd take a stroll often in the mornings and this time would become more like a walking meditation. Like the boy who was taken to the rabbi in the story which Anthony read earlier in the service, there were times when I needed a physical practice to help me to find my stillness and then I'd sit for a while and connect I'd connect with nature I'd connect and attune to a sense of something sacred, beyond what I could see, but something that I could feel I'd connect with myself and I'd ponder many of life's big questions and some of the smaller ones too I'd often feel left I'd often leave feeling nourished and replenished in some way and holding a larger and different perspective. This meant that I wasn't so easily knocked by little things that would happen in my life. Then, a few years ago, wanting to connect to a spiritual community, coming here to Essex Church has become a place where I also have Sabbath time. A time which is set apart from the rest of the week, from my ordinary everyday thinking, feelings and rhythms in my life. Aside from this time that I share with you on Sundays, I've begun to realise that I'd like to establish a new personal Sabbath of my own carve out some time which is allotted for the sole purpose of strengthening my connection with my sense of the divine, connect with my own values instead of the values that the media or society would have me follow, and connect with people dear to me in an enriching and meaningful way. So I came up with some prompting questions to start constructing sabbath time in my own life and they're included in your order of service so you can take them away and create your own sabbath time or reflect on sabbath time you already observe if you wish to through answering the questions for myself I became aware that I sometimes find it hard to give myself permission to rest especially with my ever growing to do list And some of you may relate to that. With work being viewed as a virtue in this society and idleness being seen as something bad, the quote that's on your order of service sheet by Mark Buchanan, I found it really useful. He writes, Most of the things we need to be most fully alive Never come in busyness, they grow in rest. It reminds me and can remind us that out of that rest, out of that sacred time, shared or alone, out of that connection with what's valued as divine for ourselves, all else flows. Rest is vital. And as written in the first reading that we heard, if Sabbath rest is good enough for God, in whichever way we understand God to be, then it's good enough for us. Sabbath well. Amen. And as we go out into our week ahead, May our blessings of love go out with us everywhere that we go. Go in peace and blessed be. Amen.